Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Four Verticals Podcast. I am your host, Maurice Phipps. Uh, I'd like to apologize for not getting this episode out yesterday like I usually do, try to get these out every Wednesday. But the episode is here now, better late than never. This episode is being recorded on February 18th, 2021. To start us off with our news recap of last week and a little bit more of uh, news this week, Kamaru Usman defeated Gilbert Burns via third round TKO to defend his welterweight championship. Uh, a little bit of fight recap. Uh, Gilbert Burns hit Kamaru with a strong overhand or hook, which uh, which rocked Usman for most of the first round. I say overhand or hook because I'm not entirely sure which one it was. Uh, Usman rebounded well in the next round and found his jab. Gilbert Burns was also was quickly outpaced once he did find his jab, and a switch stance jab in the third knocked Burns onto his back, where Kamaru Usman finished the fight quickly on the ground. Uh, after the fight, Usman called for his respect and ver- verbally requested that Jorge Masvidal be his next challenger for the welterweight title. We'll more than likely have to wait for a potential 2022 uh, Kamaru Usman versus Covington 2 fight if it ever happens. Co- Covington was clearly the closest fight Usman has ever had, and UFC fans would like to get a second one of those, myself included. I was very, very entertained by the first Usman versus Covington fight. And so hopefully, I do hope that we can get another one of those sooner rather than later. Although it does seem that Jorge Masvidal will be the next challenger for this welterweight belt. Moving away from that and to the next UFC pay-per-view. I've been talking about this for several weeks now. UFC 259 is Saturday, March 6th. I've been gushing over this fight card because of how stacked it is. It's being main evented by light heavyweight champion Jan Blachowicz defending his title versus middleweight champion Israel Adesanya. The co-main event sees featherweight and women's bantamweight champion Amanda Nunes defend her featherweight championship against Megan Anderson. And we also see the men's bantamweight champion Peter Yan defending his title against the number one contender Aljamain Sterling. Uh, This should be a very, very exciting card, and I predict that there will be at least one title change in that card, and that being the men's bantamweight title changing hands to Aljamain Sterling. I don't necessarily see Adesanya taking the light heavyweight championship, especially because we haven't even seen him fight at light heavyweight. You know, we've seen him dominate middleweight, but light heavyweight is an entirely separate weight class. And again, to harken back to a point that I said previously, it seems that uh, Adesanya decided to move up as soon as John Jones decided to move up to heavyweight. You know, there's been verbal back and forth between uh, John Jones and Adesanya for a while now. And, you know, I'm sure that UFC fans everywhere would have wanted to see a Adesanya versus John Jones fight rather than uh, the fight that we have currently. Still, nonetheless, I do see Adesanya taking his first UFC loss in this title fight. Uh, I think I think. I think that Jan is probably going to be a little bit underrated only because of the fact that Adesanya is undefeated and technically Jan didn't take this title off of anybody. You know, the the title was 
relinquished by John Jones, and then he happened to be scheduled as the the fight to pick up the belt. So Jan is definitely a little underrated in this fight, uh, especially as far as champions go. But uh, I wouldn't mind seeing another double champion, uh, especially that being Adesanya. Adesanya's star power is uh, un- undeniable in in the UFC. But I don't see it happening here. I see Adesanya taking his first UFC loss in this title fight. Uh, moving on to the women's featherweight championship title fight. I don't see Amanda Nunes losing to anyone. So, I mean, a title fight's a title fight. There is the possibility of a loss, but I don't. I don't see Amanda Nunes losing to anyone anytime soon. I think she's going to retire the double champion of both of her weight classes. And moving on to my most anticipated fight of that night, the men's bantamweight champion Peter Yan is going to defend his title versus Aljamain Sterling. I don't see this fight being talked about as much as it should be. Um, I have very high expectations for Aljamain Sterling. I do think that he's going to take the title off of Peter Yan, and I hope we get an entertaining fight. You know, the the tight to decide the number one contender was a very entertaining fight. After that, you know, it was basically set in stone that Aljamain would get his chance at the men's bantamweight championship, and now he has it. So hopefully, he can capitalize on that, and we can see uh, at least one of these titles change hands uh, on March sixth. Moving away from UFC talk. We're now going to go into the Western Conference talk that I've had on the show notes for a while now. I've had to push it back because of, you know, the Super Bowl. It, it would have happened last week, but uh, I had to recap the Super Bowl. So Western Conference talk, we're going to do it a little bit differently from the Eastern Conference. We're going to start from the 15th seed and work our way up. So at the 15th seed, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Disappointing to say the least, Carl Anthony Towns has returned from his absence due to contracting COVID-19, but even with his return, the Timberwolves have proven to not be any real competition in the NBA. Anthony Edwards has been playing well for a rookie, but uh, it's truly unfortunate that the Timberwolves have so much talent, but they seem to just be wasting it, essentially. Um, You know, they have players like D'Angelo Rosso, like Carl Anthony Towns, they have in the past, they've had Jimmy Butler, and that didn't even manifest into a a playoff run. So uh, I don't know what's I don't know what the deal is with this Timberwolves team, but the lack of them winning games is definitely going to prove to be a a factor when it comes to keeping some of their young talent, especially Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. Moving on to the number 14 seed, Oklahoma City Thunder. Chris Paul left a bigger hole than many people would have assumed he would, including myself. Uh, this is clearly not the same Oklahoma City team that we saw from last year. Uh, it's clear that they're finally rebuilding as a, branch, as, as a franchise excuse me, after a long stretch of contending. And this team has a truckload of picks, so hopefully they can turn some of those into solid players and potentially an all-star level player. Um, I do see that they have their future, you know, potentially. I don't want to. I don't want to uh, 
fire off any horns yet, but potentially they do have their franchise player in Shea Gilgis Alexander. They have a young up and coming uh, defensive stopper in Lou Dort, and they have a, a few other key pieces as well. Hopefully, this Oklahoma City team can, you know, regroup from the the KD and Westbrook era, and you know. Hopefully they can get back into contention soon, especially with all of the the picks they have. They're gonna they're gonna spend a lot of time developing young talent, and it's gonna be very very interesting to watch in the coming years. Number fourteen and number thirteen seed is the Houston Rockets. Uh, as the Harden era finally ends, the Rockets team is looking for their next big star, and they seem to have found that in Christian Wood. James Harden's missing impact is obviously felt. Uh, as would any team missing uh, a key piece such as James Harden. But, you know, this Rockets team does have somewhat of a future. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins and John Wall have both been playing well, and hopefully they can, you know, continue this level of play um, and mentor the incoming young players in future drafts. Uh, Boogie especially can mentor Christian Wood because a lot of people seem to forget how dominant DeMarcus Cousins was uh, pre-injury when he was on the Kings and even uh, to some extent when he was on the Pelicans. Uh, same thing with John Wall. Uh, hopefully he can, you know, mentor some of the young guard talent that's going to be coming in through uh, the draft or maybe that they pick up through free agency. Moving on to the 12th seed, Sacramento Kings. Uh, De'Aaron Fox has looked great. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, the rookie, has also looked very good. The rest of the team has not. Um, you know, a lot of us were hoping that Marvin Bagley develops into a solid, a solid young rotational piece uh, that could potentially develop into an all-star. And... Excuse me. And unfortunately, he has not developed as a lot of people may have hoped, you know. And with the drama of his father going out to going on in social media and requesting that he be traded, you know, it's it's honestly a shame that the Kings have yet to capitalize on this young man's potential upside. But then again, it could also not necessarily be the Kings' entire fault. Maybe... Maybe Marvin Bagley just doesn't have it, you know. Uh, only time will tell, but this Kings team, there, there's a lot of problems with this Kings team. Um, for starters, they're paying Harrison Barnes way too much for the production that he is outputting. Um, the owner of the team is also not a very good owner. You know, there's just a lot of problems fundamentally with the Sacramento Kings team, and maybe these problems may start to arise when it times when it comes time to uh, pay players like De'Aaron Fox. Moving away from this team into the 11th seed New Orleans Pelicans, Zion Williamson has had a very quiet season in terms of media, but an absolutely absurd sophomore season by league standards. You know, a lot of things that come with a sophomore season is a uh, you know, you know, from promising rookies, uh, a sophomore slump is also is usually uh, felt as teams start to, you know, game plan around young stars, young rookies. But uh, there has been anything but a sophomore slump for Zion Williamson. 
Brandon Ingram has also continued his increase in production from last season. Um, you know, when this team finally finds its stride, they will be major continuers in the, in the West. I don't see that happening for another couple of years, though, because this, the rest of the team just seems to be fundamental pieces that don't fit together for the, the team's future, you know. Where we we don't we still don't know where Lonzo Ball fits in this team's future. Eric Bledsoe is essentially on the last legs of his career. JJ Redick's production has not been where uh, many people have expected it to be at the beginning uh, since the beginning of this season. Uh, there's there's just a lot of pieces that don't fit, but in due time we will see the we we will see this Pelicans team on top. I I definitely do not uh, doubt that for one second moving on to the Tennessee Dallas Mavericks an extremely disappointing start to the season for Luka and company uh, I was definitely a little hesitant to name Luka as the MVP favorite of this season and it seems that my prediction was correct uh, Luka's play hasn't led to any wins Porzingis's return has not been what the Mavs have uh, needed this season uh, nothing to truly be concerned of. I still think that this team has an immense, immense future, uh, immensely bright future, I'm sorry, with Luka at the helm of this team. Um, but a lot of people have, uh, on social media, have attempted to blame Porzingis or Luka as the sole reason for the losses. Uh, it just overall seems to be a down season for this team. And in the Western Conference, a down season can mean the difference between making the playoffs and missing it. Um, eventually we will start to see the that Luca lead this team uh, how we know he's he's able to and how he's shown to be able to in the past. The ninth seed is the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, good development, good development from their young stars. It just seems that their stars are just a little too young to truly uh, compete yet. Although they are competing for a playoff spot with the ninth seed. This isn't necessarily a season meant for them to be winning games, uh, yet they're only a few games out of the playoffs. Uh, again, I, it seems to be a trend. These 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 Western Conference teams, they it, it's all about the future with these Western Conference teams, especially with the Memphis Grizzlies, who have two key young pieces, and are are definitely going to continue to build around them as uh, as the time progresses. Moving on to the eighth seed, Golden State Warriors. Stephen Curry is currently carrying the team on his back and proving why he is the best point guard in the league. Uh, Steph Curry has been the best point guard in the league for, I, I want to say, since his MVP season. You know, uh, I know at times people sort of get people sort of get entranced by the new uh, the new toy. I I should say the new media darling by NBA media, you know, Kyrie was considered uh, the best point guard in the league by some for a short period of time. Recently, it's been Damian Lillard, who, which I've, I've never personally agreed with him being the best point guard in the league at any time. But um, I think we can all come to an agreement that Stephen Curry has been the best point guard in the league for the past five-ish years. Um, and he's proving why. Um, with his play um, from 
just his his play this season has been nothing short of phenomenal. He's definitely carrying the workload of this team on his back. Um, he should absolutely get uh, a, a bit of consider consideration for MVP if this team reaches the f which reaches the playoffs. Excuse me. Um, Andrew Wiggins has also found his lane within this Warrior system. Uh, while some people are calling the Warriors dynasty over, I personally think that come next year, once Clay is healthy again, the Warriors are going to find themselves right back at the uh, the cusp of, of contention for a championship. Moving on to the seventh seed Denver Nuggets, Jeremy Grant leaving has left a major hole in this team. Jokic has stepped up big time, garnering a huge MVP consideration, although Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. still have not made the jump. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., I, I still don't know what's his deal. You know, it was the injury concerns in the beginning of his career, and now uh, I believe it's the, the minute concerns uh, or lack thereof, I should say. But, you know, on Michael Porter Jr., just he has to take that step because this Nuggets team does not progress without him and Jamal Murray taking this to ne the next step to stardom and as for Jamal Murray I think he's right at the cusp of truly breaking through as a superstar you know we get consistent flashes of him performing at a high level and then all of a sudden we see him disappear when his team needs him most uh, this team is however not to be trifled with and not to be slept on because for as disappointing as the season has been so far uh, this team is still a very, very good team, and I would not be, I would not be, I would not be shocked if this team finds a way to turn it around uh, in the middle of the season. You know, as we start to pick up steam towards All Star break or what I believe will be a uh, All Star break. You know, the the players have been uh, vocal and unhappy about there still being an All Star break during the middle of a pandemic. However, you know, if the league says it's going to happen, then, I mean, it's going to happen. Moving on from the 7th to the 6th seed, the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, definitely surprising, to say the least. Uh, I didn't expect this Spurs team to even make the playoffs. But a 6th seed in a dominant Western Conference is definitely nothing to sniff your nose at. Uh, it doesn't leave the Spurs team anywhere in terms of their future, though. Um, I have no clue where this team's direction is going. As again, I didn't even expect them to be a playoff team, but here we are. They are the sixth seed. The sixth seed. Um, I this Spurs team is an interesting one. You know, they've I believe they've missed the playoffs for two consecutive years, which is unheard of for uh, the Spurs in recent memory. But you know, the Spurs team still, I feel they still haven't truly moved on from the Tim Duncan era. And when I say that, um, it seems that Popovich's coaching style still has not evolved with the times. You know, I feel like he's still coaching as if he has Tim Duncan and Tony Parker and Mano Ginobili with him at all times. And unfortunately, you know, he doesn't. Um, I... I do hope that we can continue to see um, Popovich's coaching style elevate and evolve with the times because, you know, he is truly a one of the greatest coaches of all time. But 
I believe that this team has to find its identity outside of Greg Popovich, which they have not yet. So uh, the Spurs team is a wild card. I'm, again, I didn't expect them to be in this position, but that's where they are. So moving on to the fifth seed, the Phoenix Suns. Chris Paul has had a bigger impact than I thought he would. Uh, I criticized the move to trade for him, and I've been in, in awe at the rate that the Suns team has improved from last season. Again, another Western Conference team with a very bright future, and I would like to see this team make a meaningful playoff run. Um, Chris Paul, you know, we see it every time. Once Chris Paul leaves and goes to a new team, he absolutely changes the dynamic, and he makes that team better. We've seen it when he joined the Rockets. We saw it when he joined the Thunder. And we're seeing it now on the Phoenix Suns. Chris Paul is a Chris Paul is the definition of a point guard. You know, um, I, I I I love watching this 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 young Suns team with the veteran Chris Paul at the helm, with uh, Devin Booker, you know, scoring as usual with DeAndre Ayton's progression. This this Suns team is a very fun team to watch. Moving on to the truly upper seeds of the Western Conference. We have number four, the Portland Trailblazers. A much, much better start to the season from uh, compared to last year. Uh, last last year, around this time of the season, I think they were maybe eight and nine seed, somewhere in that, in that realm. Um, but this is probably the last chance I'll give the Trailblazers. Uh, Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum have been been with each other for a while. Their roster has the talent to make a deep playoff run. We've seen it happen. Um, I what I will say is, I, if the Blazers don't at least go to the Western Conference champ, Western Conference Finals, um, I believe it'll be time to 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 move on from the Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum era. Uh, the Blazers have been consistently competitive, but unfortunately not uh, contending for way too long and you know at some point you have to say hey something is working and you have to exercise all of your options whether that be trading cj mccullum for a, a big man or whether that be just absolutely blowing it up and going into full rebuilding mode uh, only time will tell what the front office will do with this roster but this is the last chance that i'm giving the portland trailblazers me personally to the number three seed the los angeles clippers um, this is probably the only team that I'll say this for. I don't care about their seeding in the regular season. I don't care about how many wins they have. I don't care about anything except postseason success. This team needs postseason success. They are in win-now mode 100%. And anything less than uh, Western Conference Finals appearance is a disappointment, you know, we, we, we. I have to say, it. we saw them get exposed last last postseason. We saw Paul George uh, crumble under the bright lights once again. Uh, we also saw Kawhi crumble, uh, which is very unlike uh, what we've seen from the past from Kawhi. Um, Paul George has started off this season very, very exceptionally, but again, I just don't care. It has to continue into the postseason, and that's the biggest issue that I have with this Clippers team. Um, if it can't continue into the postseason, 
then I, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. You know, this Western Conference team has too many good teams for the regular season to truly matter in terms of who beat who and what matchups took place. It doesn't matter. The postseason is a different ball game, and the Clippers have to make a deep playoff run in postseason. Moving on from them to the number two seed, Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, Anthony Davis re-aggravating an injury is scary for them, and LeBron playing so many minutes is also not what they need. But I'm not putting any doubt in LeBron James, just like I didn't put any doubt in Tom Brady when he reached the Super Bowl. LeBron James is a different animal when it comes to the postseason. We've seen that time and time again. Hopefully, Anthony Davis can get healthy and return to the roster as soon as possible because the the amount of minutes that LeBron James is playing is definitely uh, to be a little concerned about. You know, he is 36 and playing the amount of minutes he's playing per game, you know, that's that's only going to spell disaster for uh, next year or even this postseason, you know. He's he's tired. LeBron James is tired. LeBron James has done this countless times throughout his career. He's played uh, his lion's share of the minutes. He's played more minutes than any other player has played in per season. To my memory, he's played the most minutes uh, I've ever seen. You know, especially in playoff games, and you want to conserve. LeBron's energy for those playoff games, which have the most meaning. Um, hopefully, Anthony Davis can get healthy soon, and LeBron can take, um, you know, take take a take a notch off of some of these minutes he's been playing. But uh, even with all of those issues, I still don't doubt that the Los Angeles Lakers will go back to the finals. And with the number one seed in the Western Conference is surprisingly enough the Utah. Jazz. This Jazz team is absolutely on fire. They are the best team in the league at this moment. Their offense is electric. Their defense is stellar. You know, coming into the season, we knew that, excuse me, last offseason, we knew that Rudy Gobert was up for contract and we knew that they'd re-sign him. But Rudy Gobert has had such a tremendous, uh, such a tremendous impact um, defensively for this team as he usually has. Uh, offensively, I believe his numbers have gone up as well. Uh, Donovan Mitchell proving why he's a young all-star, proving why he is one of the best young guards in this league. Um, everyone else playing their role at a high level. Jordan Clarkson has been an absolute torch for this team. You know, this team is playing lights out right now, but the main question is, as with the Clippers, can they continue this into the postseason? Uh, if this team continues the way they've been playing into the postseason, uh, then this is a championship team, and they can easily reach the finals. However, only time will tell for that. Uh, that's been it for the Western Conference talk. Uh, again, I've been meaning to have this for a little while now, and you know it's interesting to break down some of the the teams in this Western Conference, especially when you look at just the the seeding, how this season has shaped up to be thus far. Moving on from that and to our last bit of news for today. Uh, as of today, actually, Carson Wentz is now an Indianapolis Colt. Yes, 
Carson Wentz has been traded from Philly to Indianapolis. Uh, the Colts traded him for a 2021 third-round pick and a 2022 conditional second-round pick for Carson Wentz. Now, I, for one, have been a major, major believer in Carson Wentz. Um, before last season began, I I put Carson Wentz in my top five quarterbacks. Obviously, he had a very, very terrible season, but... You know, maybe maybe this trade is what Carson Wentz needed. He has a fantastic offensive line. You know, last season he was dealing with the very banged-up offensive line that the Eagles had. Um, he has a fantastic offensive line. The only question is his receiving core. You know, we've seen Carson Wentz uh, with, a, with a damaged receiving core, with the inconsistent receiving core, and it's not the Carson Wentz that we were used to. So... Uh, the Colts definitely have to remedy that situation as soon as possible because if we get anything close to what the Eagles receiving core has been in recent years, then this is going to be another wasted experience for Carson Wentz, and I believe we're going to see the Carson Wentz of last season. Although I do have very, very high expectations and high hopes that Carson Wentz can return to his former self. With that being said, that has been this week's episode of the Four Verticals Podcast. Again, I apologize for not getting this episode out yesterday, but better late than never. So if you would like more information, please follow Four Verticals Podcast on Twitter at F-O-U-R-V-E-R-T Podcast. That is, again, F-O-U-R-V-E-R-T Podcast. And with that, I'll be your host, Maurice Phipps. Thank you for listening.